Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. This is Drew. How's it going, everybody? Hello, hello. Today, we got a quite a special treat for all of y'all. Uh, this is our podcast's first time ever doing one of these, but uh, today's episode is going to be one in which uh, we have had some independent creators who are trying to do the work of adding more comics into into the field so who've uh they've reached out to us and they wanted us to check it out and give our two cents on these comics and uh we are going to do just that and anytime they anytime anyone wants to add comics to to the wide field of already existing comics i'm for it unless it's something awful (laughs) (laughs) like more spawn comics more spawn comics uh, any comics where they had to use the blood of children and the ink, I'm not for those <laughs> comics. <laughs> Did you hear the news that uh, Todd McFarlane is starting up a, a spawn, a new line of spawn comics? Like they're to... going to be interconnected and everything. Yeah, he wants a spawniverse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Todd McFarlane, about what, ten, five, ten years behind the trend. But <laughs> but this is his chance to make a shared universe of all his crappy properties. <laughs> so we're going to see Violator comic and Redeemer comic. <laughs> Maybe he'll throw Haunt back in there. I don't even know what happened to Haunt. Yeah. Oh, Spawn. Oh, T-Mac. Anyways. To- today, today we are going to talk about two indie comics that... People have sent us. Uh, the first one is a comic called Parallel, which is about a 70-page uh, one-shot. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it an issue or a graphic novella, but it's a it's a 70-page one-shot published by Source Point Press. Uh, we'll get to the credits when we start talking about it. And the other comic that we'll talk about is Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia, which was a six-issue miniseries published by Suspicious Behavior Productions. They're uh, two pretty pretty different pieces of work here, so it'll be interesting to discuss it today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's go into parallel a little bit. What Do you, uh, do you mind going over the credits? Uh, before we jump into the plot and so on and so forth don't mind at all i'll uh, go down the credit the list of credits so parallel uh, like i said published by source point press it's written by jason douglas art by adam ferris lettered by justin birch all right all right so we're going to give a, a brief synopsis of Parallel right now. Um, I'll try my best not to give too much away. So this is the spoil-free version of Parallel. <laughs> <laughs> my dream is someday we're going to have merchandise and we're going to put these all over t-shirts and mugs. because So everybody's going to know that spoil-free just means spoiler-free? Exactly. Because I, as much as I, I hate doing all the all the business stuff of podcast promotion i am still just a prostitute and a <laughs> whore and 
and I will do what need be done. I will do. I will mimic all the stuff that other podcasts have done before me a thousand times over in order to promote ourselves. Every time you say "spoil free," I just think of Scoish Velociraptor Maloish. <laughs> We're gonna have to see if we can get him and do some sort of uh, collaboration with him. Yeah. The Velociraptor says that this is spoil freeific. <laughs> Parallel. What can you tell us about Parallel, Albert? What's the uh, spoil free synopsis? In brief. We are introduced to a character by the name of Landon Smith. He's a uh, he's a man who is in, you know, I I believe he's in his mid thirties. He's uh, he's living the married life, but we learn that at some point uh, in his earlier on in his life, he was a a rock star and he was an up and coming musician. And there was a point where his life could have taken a very different route. And at the beginning of the story, he's he's a he's an office worker, and something compels him to essentially walk into traffic, and he experiences this accident. And eventually, what we find out, what we discover, is that what compelled him to uh, injure himself was an alternate universe version of himself that is trying to show him what his life could have been like had he gone down the path not taken, had he decided to not, uh, you know, fall in love and get married, but decided to pursue his life as a rock, rocking out musician, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? So... That is uh that is the the spoil-free version of the story of the plot. Um, do you feel like I'm missing anything? Any anything you want to add, Drew? I think that that's the basic summary of it. Um, some of the things that I, I thought were interesting about the presentation of the story was how the alternate uh, version of him that is the one to the alternate version of him is the one who pushes him into traffic. And I think when I was reading it, one of the things that made me smirk was the fact that he had to get hit by a bus in order to experience (laughs) a parallel world. Right. It's a, it's an interesting, like, you know, when people write the rules of their universe, um, it's presumed that, well, I, I presume that there's some sort of thematic relevance to that. So, um, yeah, if I, if I had to say that, it makes sense to me in that in order for this story to be told, there has to be some sort of stakes. And yeah. the stakes here uh, happens to be that, yeah, in order for him to experience this parallel universe, he has to potentially put himself at death's door <laughs> yeah yeah it's an interesting choice because it's it's not like um he could have just gone to sleep and then the alternate uh reality version would have just you know talked to him in a dream or something yeah the dude actually had to get struck by something so hard that he was on well on i don't know if he was death. on life support but yeah he was he was in the hospital for a while yeah 
he was um, probably unconscious. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, in terms of one of the things that jumped out at me uh, when I was reading this comic was the fact that I, I believe that this was something that is a passion project for uh, Jason Douglas, the, the author of, who wrote it. I mean, of course it, it is. I mean, he's he created this, this work, this comic, so I'm, I'm sure he put a lot of himself into it. But there is an aspect of the comic that feels almost like it's a one-man play where it's a man who is, you know, uh, in a little more seasoned part of his life looking back at the way things could have been. And it's almost like a one-man play in that it's just him. There are large portions of this where he's talking to either himself or the alternate universe version of himself. And it's almost like this one-man play Mm -hmm. where he's monologuing, basically monologuing and working out these uh, whatever like baggage he's developed in his life over the past five years since he decided to renounce um, the life of fame and stardom for something more conventional. Yeah, actually, that's a pretty interesting uh, perspective that you brought up because now that now that you mentioned the whole concept of of like a one man play, uh, it it did you did make me just think of uh, whether the other characters were essential to the overall thematic elements of the story. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously there are other characters in the story. Like his wife is probably one of the major characters besides himself and his parallel version. Mm. But it, it it does kind of feel like she's almost tangential to the idea of exploring the road less traveled, you know, like yeah. it, it, it kind of feels like the other characters that, that do show up, it feels like their significance is only in relation to how Landon perceives his life and how yeah. he experiences reality. I guess I would say the the comic seems to be focused more on the basic concept of exploring a parallel life more than it explores the, the characters. Life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I, I think I I would agree that it does feel like the the focus I mean of course the focus is on him and uh on Landon and these parallel uh, it, it's it's focused on the life that he's currently living and in order to see the value of this alternate lifestyle that he could have he could have been living yeah it, it's it's oddly enough it's it's heavily focused on landon but the i, I think you you hit it right on the money when you said that the alternative characters are are tangential they're almost like props <laughs> you yeah know? yeah you know? that no, just... I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing or anything it's just yeah. you know one different way of telling it's one way of telling a story you know exactly exactly and uh yeah it, it would have it, it's interesting uh it, it was an interesting direction to take yeah 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 because I, I i think a lot of times when we see parallel world type of stories what ends up what we end up seeing usually is all of the characters in those parallel realities, like yeah. how th- how things are different for all of them. But um, in this story, it's it's really just about how things are different for for the main character, for Landon. 
Yeah, I, I think the stuff that was probably the most interesting to me was the the one man play aspect of it was the conversation uh, was the fact that he was having this conversation with himself and just kind of unpacking all these things. Yeah, like it it was interest interspersed with these scenes of Landon's life in the real world as it currently stood, as well as aspects of his life in this alternate universe which could have been, you know, meant to tie it all together. I do think that the the stuff that probably was the most solid to me was the the conversational unpacking of all the emotional baggage, which which I do kind of want to point out, uh, not kind of, I do want to point out that the way that he writes, that uh, Jason Douglas writes these characters, they were believable. I mean, I in terms of the way that they talked, they're the the... Yeah, individual voices that he gave them, I I found that to be pretty believable. Yeah, the uh, dialogue sound, was solid. Yeah, they they sounded like how people actually talk. It, yeah, so I was pretty convinced there. Yeah, the the artwork is in black and white, and I I thought that there were some pages that really stood out because if when you look at the when you just flip through the comic, like so much of it is in uh, gray tone. Yeah. And I don't really know what like the technical terms are, and it, it's a lot of shades of gray, just in how the the pages look. And every so often there are some pages that have like really heavy inks where it's it's like really black and white, and the stark uh, graphic design element of it really stands out. Like there's those are the scenes that that really pop and give you the sense that there's you know there's something otherworldly happening it's not just a straightforward uh you know this is reality as it always appears but when yeah i guess it's like the great the gray tone scenes you know which is most of the book is is like how life really is and every so often there's just these pops of black and white like the the, the high contrast yeah I, like i i would i'd agree that the there were some pages that you mentioned really popped uh there were a few pages where uh there were a lot of heavy blacks and yeah, like I'll just uh, the sketching like inside the, it was pretty impressive yeah like i'll just say like at the very beginning of the comic when it starts off with him lying on the ground bleeding after he gets hit by the bus and then uh-huh. the page after that it's it's just like this all black page with with a white line in each panel and you kind of zoom in on on the line and you see it uh, a little dot and and there's this uh narration about uh just reminiscing about fourth grade geometry which is pretty creative thing to make a connection with here i think Mm. the the idea of of how a line i guess parallel lines represent these parallel worlds and you have these points in the line that can uh, either start off as a whisper or be something that's literally bone crushing or, or life shattering Mm. Um, you know, I'm just paraphrasing the dialogue, uh, the narration that he wrote. It's definitely uh, something that I don't think I've seen in in a parallel world comic here. You know, like uh, or in any other parallel world comic, I haven't seen it make the connection with uh, geometry. <laughs> right, right. That's uh, that's a good point. I, I I can honestly say that I don't have the technical expertise to follow that up quite as much, if at all. 
Yeah, like I I do think that the concept of it is uh pretty compelling stuff too. Uh for me, like thematically the idea of not necessarily alternate dimensions, but just wondering what your life could have been like had yeah. you made different decisions. That's always something that really gets me as a consumer of stories. Like I will say when I was reading this the the things that jumped out at me were stor- similar like existential science fiction stories. The two that jumped out at me were Vanilla Sky and uh, Stranger Than Fiction, and I don't okay. even know uh, I don't even know if Stranger Than Fiction really counts as science fiction, but they're both stories that take the the science fiction concept of alternate universes, but really plays down the science fiction aspect of it in order to play up the more thematic ideas of just the human experience of wanting to either deal with regrets that you've uh, from decisions that you've made or to see what your life could be by just changing certain things in your life now you know yeah Um, yeah actually what you described for some reason it just reminded me of um scrooge and and a christmas carol (laughs) i don't know (laughs) why you made me think of that that yeah i i that's actually kind of interesting that you mentioned that because um like now that you've brought it up if you strip down uh a christmas carol down to its like most bare essential basic parts it's yeah it's it's there there's something compelling about that story of a man who just wants to who needs just a change in perspective to view his life to make him change himself into being either the person he wants to be or mm-hmm. or or to make up for the mistakes of his past you know so there that's that's an interesting way to look at a christmas carol <laughs> <laughs> i, I kind of dig that it's like a a prototype of the parallel life yeah kind of right story. right <laughs> Like Charles Dickens didn't know it, but he was he was uh he was doing Terminator before Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Here's another question about parallel, but I was going to ask you if you thought that Landon's actual life was better than his parallel life or if you thought the parallel life was superior than his regular life. I think on the surface on the surface, it it seems like the life that Landon was living definitely had its. I, I would I would argue that it had its ups and downs. Um, I I think there's a tendency to focus on the fact that his wife was a bit of a shrew, and and you could also say that creatively. Or, well, I think you could also say that he lacked motivation uh, other than just surviving. And yeah. when you looked at the other life that he was leading, the, the, or the, in the alternate universe, the draws, the rock star life. Yeah. The draws for it seemed at, on the surface, they seemed somewhat superficial because it's really just about, or, or on the surface, it seems like it's about him just wanting to be rich and famous and uh you know adored by the masses like who 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 hasn't really had that fantasy before right 
Right. But I think there's an argument that could be made for the fact that there was a deficit of creativity and expression in his current life. Uh, there was, you know, he was essentially a drone in an office who was... He was yeah, he was, uh, he was his wife's assistant or something. <laughs> yeah, well, he called himself a secretary at one point. Yeah. And she corrected him by saying that you're an executive assistant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, which is pretty depancing. <laughs> if, yeah. If my wife told me that. I, 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 my, my balls would shrivel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I but, think she uh, went on to talk about how she was like the youngest vice president in the company or something like that. Yeah. So you get this real sense that. She's really on top of things professionally and has, you know, she's doing what most people uh, in society are expected to to do and not only just do, but she was actually successful at it, at what she was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas uh, Landon, you know, it, it it's like, man, if his wife didn't hire him to be her executive assistant, would he even have a job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and to some degree, it's like, is there any wonder that he he dreams of this life where he has a little bit more autonomy? Uh, he's he's the skills that he does have are the ones that people admire him for. The fact that he has the creative license and liberty to express himself however he wants to do those things. So, yeah, aside from. You know, the money and the fame and the adoration, like, I get it. We all, we, we would all look to that lifestyle as, as things that we want, you know, at least to some degree. But mm-hmm. I think for me, the thing that made the most sense was just having the, the freedom and ability to express himself and live a lifestyle where, where he can, you know? So, yeah, yeah I, I, it's a mixed bag. I, I can't say with absolute certainty that that life was better because, I don't know, I, I do think that there are things about his life in, the, in, in his main universe, in his actual reality, where, okay, if his wife wasn't such a, such a shrew, then... Uh, maybe it wouldn't be quite that bad, right? <laughs> like, he, yeah. he, he'd yeah. have some sense of stability and consistency, and to some degree, there's there's a question of right. what is what is he doing to, to make this work for him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, I think that's probably one of the criticisms I do have about the story, is that Claire is depicted as kind of this one note or... Uh, you know, she's just, like you said, a shrew, and it's almost like the whole point of her being that type Alive. of person. <laughs> yeah, the whole point of her existence is just to be a justification as to why Landon can't really stand his life. Yeah. Like, she kind of represents the mistake that he made in, in choosing a life with her and a life of stability and the daily, you know, nine-to-five grind or whatever yeah. the workday is. Like, that kind of represents regret, I suppose. But yeah. I think in some ways, because she is just depicted as 
as a shrew, it it is hard to see her perspective or to to feel any kind of sympathy for her character. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like you just want Landon to to get away from her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Even when she does have like some moments where she seems to care for for Landon, it it's it just feels like a little bit short lived and it doesn't really feel fully fleshed out. And I think that's one of the reasons why the story does work as like what you said earlier, like a one man play, like a one man story, right? Like yeah. everybody else kind of seems like a prop. And you know, I, I think that's that's fine. Like it, it's it's a different way or a, it's it's a different method of telling a story like not every character has to have fully fleshed out development and stuff like that uh but i, I think maybe a little bit more characterization could have helped a little bit mm-hmm. yeah it was definitely a direction to go in terms of other things that or observations um that i had for parallel as a whole there are things about the ending that i I'm probably going to end up uh, pondering over and um, trying to deconstruct because it does. I, I, without giving away too much, it does end on a semi on, on an ambiguous note. So it it yeah, it, it's 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 a little confusing as as the reader because I'm not sure quite. Uh, so we mentioned that. Uh, you know, part of Landon's ability to breach this alternate dimension is the fact that he has to put himself in in harm's way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, th- so there's things about the ending where it's like, ultimately, once you get to, to the final point, it leaves me questioning what actually happened. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so yeah, I had to reread the last few pages a couple times just to make sure that I, I understood what happened. And yeah. I, I, again, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to spoil the ending either. Yeah, but I think I was a little bit confused, but after reading it a couple times, I think I understand what happened. Mm. But I feel like to say any more would would be yeah too spoilery. Yeah. It it would not be befitting of a spoil free. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it would be antithetical to a spoil free. <laughs> yes. It would be anti spoil free. <laughs> Spoiful. It would be spoilful. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is a parallel by Jason Douglas, art by Adam Ferris, uh, lettered by Justin Birch, like you said. One one more thing um, that I did notice as I was reading, there were some uh, little bits of text and the dialogue that could have been edited a little bit just because in terms of like uh typos and things like that yeah like it wasn't anything that that affected the story too much but yeah like anytime i notice a typo in a in a comic it it's just something that i can't help but notice you know like there was one one page where uh or one scene i think it's when the doctor is talking to claire and her last name is marlo but i noticed that in one panel, they spelled her her name Marlo with an E at the end, and then some other word balloons were it was just spelled Marlo, ended with a W, no E, you know, stuff like that, or or even like the the lack of commas in certain points that uh, in certain in certain senses that needed a comma, 
uh, I remember there was like another word balloon that had the word. It, it used they they wrote the word does instead of dose. Because I think they were talking about a, a dosage of something. But it does like, work. It does yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, perhaps like a little bit of a uh, of editing would have cleaned that up. But yeah. you know, I'm, it's nothing really to to quibble over. You know, we yeah. still understand what's going on. Yeah. It's just something that I I can't help but notice. Yeah. I mean, I I encourage them to continue their craft and to yeah. to keep working on it and uh you know to keep putting more stuff out there because again like comics is a wide field and we always welcome more comics uh and we want to we want to be able to see good comics come out and we want to see new ideas being explored and discussed so I I yeah I definitely encourage them to continue doing what they do. Yeah, yeah, and the concept is—it's uh, a solid concept, you know. Like the, you can't really go wrong with the old trope of exploring parallel lives, and this yeah. is a story that explores that concept in a way that, uh, yeah. you know, it, it it might not be. You might find something new to appreciate about the concept when you read parallel. Yeah, take it from me as a 39-year-old man who is living a life full of failure and regret. I'm constantly looking for stories where I can explore the idea of how I could have not lived a life full of failure and regret. Yeah, I mean, a, adulthood really <laughs> is just becoming a walking mass of regrets and failures. So exactly. That's why Happy we got. That's why we need more comics because <laughs> it's kind of too late for us to not be failures. It's kind of too late for us to to not suck. So yeah. we just need escapism. <laughs> uh, and with that, I'm going to finish my scotch. <laughs> I need to uh, go stick my hand in a blender right now. Uh, give me a few minutes and I'll be back. All right. Should we move on to Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia? Yes, let's. So okay. Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia. It's a six-issue miniseries published by Suspicious Behavior Productions. I'll run down the credits. This one has a longer list of credits. It's written by Ed Kunal and Matt Enton. Art uh, was by Dan Schade, uh, David Hahn on inks of issue three, and Dan Schade did the art on uh, issues one, two, and three. Kendall Good was the artist on issues four, five, and six. Issues one, two, and three had colors by Marissa Luis. Jason Lewis colored issue four. Geo Butler colored issues five and six. Letters in issues one, two, and three were by a larger world studios, and issues four through six were lettered by Sal Cipriano. That was uh, quite a mouthful. That was uh, quite a bit. Gotta give credit where it's due, man. Totally, totally, totally. And I'm so, sorry if I mispronounced anyone's name. <laughs> it, it happens a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we unfortunately, we don't know these uh, people personally. It, it, it so. happens, like, way too often, doesn't it, Albie? <laughs> of course, Boo. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what I did there. <laughs> Drew, Spoo, whatever. 
So what can you can you give us a, a spoil-free uh, synopsis of Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia? Yeah, in short, the main character is a wrestler by the name of Rory Landell. Earlier on in his career, he was an up-and-coming wrestler for, uh, I forget what the wrestling uh, organization was called, but, uh, you know, he was he was up-and-coming, and he was about to have his big break, and ultimately what ends up happening is the manager of the wrestling corporation, as in most cases in a lot of these, uh, you know, from what we've seen from... The WWE, if it's taught us anything, uh, the the guy that runs the wrestling federation, the organization, is usually a jerk and uh, <laughs> a, and a, a shill and someone who's just unafraid or un who's unabashed uh, at screwing over the talent. So. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Rory Landell's about to have his big break, and he comes to him and essentially says, you're not getting the belt tonight because we're going to, you know, this is the night that we could, that could end up getting us put on, like, a bunch of major networks, and it could end up uh, selling the company to, like, a big name. So we're giving the belt to this, this way more friendly character, and Rory decides in, in uh, you know as one final <clears throat> act of resistance, he decides he's going to go out on his terms. And essentially he, he goes on camera. He, he does, you know, he does uh, a bunch of mic work and mic talk and, you know, says what he needs to say to everyone in the stands. And he, he says he doesn't need the belt because he's actually the galactic champion. And he just, piece, <laughs> he pieces out, from that uh from that situation and you know he he goes from there and i believe 15 years pass after that but what we find out is that that uh recording of him proclaiming himself as galactic champion actually gets the attention of this spacefaring uh race i guess of space wrestlers and they see this and you know whenever you hear someone proclaiming they're the champ your their their natural wrestling instincts kick in and they decided to come to earth because there can only be one galactic champion man yeah there can only be one galactic champion (laughs) he galactic champ everybody else galactic chump (laughs) you dig so if you smell. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna say it. I can't. I'm not worthy. Smalalala. <laughs> <laughs> so the leader of this race of space wrestlers comes to Earth, and his name is Manifest Destiny, and he comes to Earth. That's a great name, by the way. That is a great name, and he comes to Earth with the intent of basically drawing a line in the sand and saying to the to the people of Earth. He challenges, there can only be one galactic champion, and he intends to challenge Rory Landell for that title. And if he wins, he will take over the Earth. And if he loses, he will cede power to Rory Landell, and they will be able to remain the rulers of the Earth. And Mm -hmm. there is your story, your plot, 
for Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia. There you go. It's an invasion of alien wrestlers <laughs> come to claim their destiny on Earth through yeah. the power of wrestling. Yeah. I mean, there's there's uh, quite a few there's quite a few uh, plot threads that extend from the main story. You know, you have your B stories that are there, which are you know, uh, which which are just as compelling, I think. Uh, or when when Rory was you know at his height before he left the the wrestling organization, he was he was in the middle of a relationship with a young woman by the name of Linda, you know, a fellow wrestler. Uh, but because he left the organization with a giant basically a giant fu uh he leaves the organization without taking his lady with him you know and mm-hmm. he and when the story fast forwards 15 years into the future rory is he's a bum basically he's just going to a bunch of small towns uh and just wrestling for chump change essentially because those are the only guys that'll take him yeah and yeah. Yeah, so I will say that um, having watched my fair share of wrestling documentaries and even films about wrestling, uh, like you remember Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler? Oh, that was Aronofsky? I guess I forgot that he was the director, but yeah, that was a good film. Yeah, like I feel like so uh, the first thing I want to mention is I do feel like the the character of Rory as this screw-up... I mean, I don't think I'm at the point where I look at... Uh, where I look at wrestlers as screw-ups in their personal lives as a cliché. Maybe because I haven't watched that many uh, wrestling stories or, or movies Documentaries. or Documentaries? I mean, yeah... Yeah, but it it does feel like it's true to that. Like I don't feel like it's an overused trope, is what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea sure. of Rory as this screw up, uh, it feels true to 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 real life in that sense. And I'll even go as far as to say that the way that they write Rory in the comic, it's not it's it's believed. I, I believed that he was this screw-up. I believed that, you know, the the Wrestling Federation uh, dealt him a bad hand, and uh, I believe that... Well, I guess it's a question of, like, is he a, a result of his environment, or is he uh, just conditioned to be a jerk by genetics, right? Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly seems here that uh, you know his environment, the the conditions set forth by uh, the wrestling federation that he was working for. It certainly seems like they were they 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 played a large part in him finally ending up being the jerk that he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's understandable, I guess. It, it's kind of like they. 
they uh, took advantage him, advantage of him for so long yeah. that what do you expect his attitude to be? Yeah, and I, yeah, and wrestlers in general, they they tend to do what they do for the love, and it's punishing on their bodies, and you know all they want is, I guess, a little bit of I, I guess they want basic respect that comes with the role of being a wrestler that comes out to entertain. And when the person that runs the organization is just clearly taking advantage of people's love of the sport to, to screw them over, like maybe this is my little soapbox for this portion of it, but um, John Oliver from uh, last week tonight did a, show did a segment on his show that was specifically about wrestling and they broke down all of the various uh anecdotes about how you know wrestlers have a short shelf life and uh how vince mcmahon uh was directly responsible for just screwing a lot of people over yeah so so uh you know the character i'm i'm looking for him right now uh but my tablet's a little slow but the 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 guy that runs the the fictional organization in their uh in the universe of invasion from planet Wrestletopia, like again that's that's another example that's pretty true to life and i i i credit them for uh being able to maintain that yeah. The other thing I was going to mention when you said that wrestlers are just looking for uh, for respect and to be treated well, I was going to add, uh, you know, fair pay and health benefits would be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stories about how there are wrestlers who have... They're basically, or basically like, they're treated like contractors, so they don't get jack. Yeah, yeah. They don't and get taken also, care of their, all their injuries and things when they get older. They're, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a sport that does, you know, really harsh things to the human body. And yeah. when you get older, you're going to feel those injuries, you know. And, and some yeah. – there are wrestlers that have – you know, they're – I mean, they're still alive, but a lot of wrestlers do die younger than the average yeah. uh, person – Quality uh, and, and of life of, is yeah, the quality of life substantially. Yes, exactly. The quality of life is often diminished substantially, and and that's that's what's disappointing because it, it doesn't really feel like the WWE does yeah. anything to look out for those old uh, retired wrestlers. Yeah, maybe they do, and I'm just ignorant of it. But I don't, well, I'm not too I think confident. If, in them. Yeah, I think if they're a big name that does draws in a lot of people they have the leverage to negotiate those things but you know we 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 see on tv like there are dozens of wrestlers that are employed by the wwe but they're not all the rock they're not all stone cold steve austin man i'd even go as far as to say like i don't know what stone cold steve austin's situation is nowadays but he's pretty active on social media i think is he Okay, I think so like I, it wouldn't surprise me if his uh, financial situation wasn't the best, 
what I was going to say earlier was um, I do remember there are anecdotes, and they, this might be a little outdated, but I do remember anecdotes of wrestlers who are basically forced to continue wrestling in their old age because yeah. they got nowhere else to go. They got nowhere else, to, no other means of making money. And it's not like the – man, I feel like we're – this is kind of a segue, but no, it's fine. It's not, it's fine. But it's not like the WWE has competitors, you know, or, or competitors that can pay uh, an equal like amount for yeah. what, compared to what the WWE can pay. So, you know, I I think Roddy Roddy Piper was was one of them, and he was he was someone who was talking about how at the time there was nowhere else for him to go, so. He had to come back hat in hand and just work for Vince at uh, the WWF slash WWE. And he mm-hmm. he ended up dying in his 50s, you know, just which because it was on the same uh, episode of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, where yeah. they showed this old interview of Roddy Reddy Piper. And he, he was he basically said, I'm probably not going to make it past like 50 and true to true to his words he he died around his 50s uh i think which it's it's a shame man i just like, i just looked it up and he was 61 when he died oh okay maybe he was he meant said 60s i was just but that that's yeah. still relatively young yeah it is it is and i don't think his body was in the best condition yeah most likely not Okay. Yeah, so I'm checking here. Okay, so the guy's name, uh, the the guy who's running the uh, wrestling federation was a a guy by the name of Drazen, D-R-A-S-I-N. And, you know, he he plays the, uh, he plays, you know, the the heel uh, wrestling federation owner, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, but... He he was uh I thought he was a well done character who who uh you know who played the role true to form you know just a dude who was money hungry and didn't care for his talent yeah yeah you you want to talk a little bit about the uh, absurdity of this the situation in the comic where. It's an entire planet of uh, wrestling people, wrestling, entire yeah. planet of wrestler aliens coming to invade Earth. Yeah, it's there's a lot of comedy in this, you know, but it's, it's uh, pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's I, humorous. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the idea of wrestlers, alien wrestlers coming to Earth, uh, and basically using their wrestling skills as the uh. That's their warfare. Yeah, as their cudgel or their warfare to conquer the planet. It's funny because, you know, uh, there are scenes where they're they're at the Kremlin in in Russia uh, or they're in China where, you know, where the the head of their government is basically in all these various seats of power. And they just break in and they're just like 
wrestling with everybody and just forcing them to submit using their sweet wrestling moves. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, these are countries that have machine guns and <laughs> tanks, fighter jets, nuclear bombs, but, you know, a suplex is the thing that's going <laughs> to make them submit <laughs> and sign over their 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 seat of power. It's yeah. um, And if that doesn't work, they can always resort to low blows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that stuff really made me laugh over the course of uh, reading this comic. Just uh, stuff like that uh, was just it's uh it's it's definitely not meant to be taken seriously. It's not it's not something that uh, is believable by any chance. But it's I, just I, good fun. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where if you're gonna do comedy, then like one of the ways to do it is to just go and be just so outrageous that it's clearly funny that, and that's how you sell it. Right. Because if they had like toned it down even a little, and if they had played this like a Michael Bay or a Zack Snyder film, where I'm supposed <laughs> to take this seriously. And like, and if, yeah, exactly. If Zack Snyder had done this, he would have done it with the belief. He would have done it, with the intent of making me believe that these wrestling moves could be the thing that would overthrow a government. <laughs> right. But the way that the, the art does it, um, it's comical enough and over the top enough where it's obviously a joke and we're all in on the joke. Yeah. So, it, it's a bunch of comic book creators who love wrestling, having fun by yeah. combining two things that they enjoy wrestling and comics. Yep. Yep. And I think, you can tell that the guys who made this comic really like wrestling. Like, yeah. There's there's just like so many little shout outs to to wrestling history and and uh, famous wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of little things that I didn't pick up on just because I'm not super ingrained into wrestling. Like I, yeah. I, I enjoy wrestling and I, I I definitely watched a lot when I was uh, younger. Um, and even, even now, like I don't really follow wrestling, but sometimes I'll, I'll read articles about wrestling or just, you know, I'll try to, I'll, I'll want to find out who ended up winning, uh, the pay-per-view or whatever, right. just out of curiosity, or, or maybe sometimes I'll even look up clips on YouTube, but I wouldn't classify myself as a, as like a really serious wrestling fan. Cause like, there's a lot of stuff about wrestling that I don't. No, and I don't uh, really follow super closely. Like I'm not super good on the appreciating the technical aspects of actual wrestling. Mm. Like mm. if you showed me a good match, I can I can definitely watch an entire match. I can watch a couple hours worth of matches, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I wouldn't really be able to describe to you like what makes a specific match way better than another match, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. Like, for me, the thing that I always enjoyed about wrestling was the spectacle of it, especially when it comes to, like, the WWE. Yeah. Since, since WWE and or WWF when we were kids, like, that was the thing that... The only thing we really had access to, you know? Like, we didn't know yeah. about any of the Japanese wrestling leagues or any indie leagues or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it was really just the Vince McMahon show. That was yeah. all all I knew about when I was a kid. Well... And, Based on WCW. that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there was. 
those were the two big ones. Those were yeah, those were the two big ones. And even WCW was towards the by the time I started watching it in the '90s, it got pretty uh, spectacular. Also, you know. Yeah. Like they they even poached some stars from the um, WWF. They poached a lot of big names from the yeah, and, and they kind of competed on almost equal footing, or if not equal footing. But it, I guess just the concept of 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 the big leagues, you know, um, it, it's it's uh, all about the spectacle. There's always yeah. the thing that I enjoyed was the spectacle, the the flashy uh, intros whenever your favorite wrestlers would walk out. Like they would yeah. all have their their uh, music, their theme song, and you know, fireworks and flashy lights and things like that, and they would There's do the a, promos. Yeah. There's I a think, lot to it. Yeah. Sure. The, I always enjoyed the promos, man. Like, every time they would give these funny speeches, like, that that was the stuff that entertained me, man. The, the mic skills, man. The exactly. mic skills. The, sh- yep. the showmanship of it all. That, yeah. That really entertained me. Like, and, if you got someone out there who, who could, like, just do a sweet monologue that yeah. just riled you up, that was, like, that was some good stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's I think I enjoy that because I don't really know how to um fully appreciate the technicalities of the craftsmanship of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So in order to really get into watching wrestling, I had to care about the people that were involved in the wrestling. Yeah. So the easiest way to get me to care about about the people was to build up rivalries and, and have people give yeah. speeches and, and talk to each other and, and call yeah. each other out and build that kind of drama. And then that would make me super pumped up to, yeah. to watch the actual match. Yeah. I think the, the, the WWF and WCW, like I think wrestling as a whole understands that too. It, it's that they need to be able to give us these stories that people can be invested in beyond, uh, you know, just who you like on a superficial level right yeah um yeah yeah uh i got i'm looking at the panel here so the name of the federation that they were part of was the american wrestling federation and their owner was mr drazen so and speaking of like little shout outs to like all of the minutiae of wrestling one of the scenes that i appreciated was like right here at the beginning so when the when the televised signal goes out into space and the space aliens start to see uh, Rory Landell uh, proclaiming himself the galactic champion, um, you see one of the wrestlers, he's in his uh, communications hub and he decides to contact uh, the head of their government. And the way that he's talking over uh, over the communications device to the head of the government is basically just mic skills. It's just the way that a wrestler <laughs> talks. So yeah. he's I'm watching the scene right here, and he's, like, looking at Rory, uh, and Rory's just got this smug look on his face. He's just proclaimed himself the galactic champion. And, uh, and, and he contacts his, the head of, you know, he contacts the, uh, his, his, uh, this guy who looks sort of like Macho Man Randy Savage, he contacts his his higher ups and they go, WrestleTopian Central Command, identify identify yourself, brother. And then he goes, <laughs> and this guy, 
this guy who is essentially working a, a telecommunications post goes, from deep George WrestleTopia, weighing in at a big super daddy 452 pounds, the king of crush, the sultan of squash, the yeah, yeah, confirmed. What's your report, crater maker? And, uh, you know, that's the other guy cutting him off, and he goes, let me put it to you this way, brother. I just got a mighty interesting signal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now I want to hear you read that excerpt in your 1920s Chicago gangster voice. Yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Macho man Randy Savage breaking into the Slim Jim. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're having fun just thinking about wrestling. <laughs> After after we uh, finish recording this episode, I think I'm going to go on YouTube and watch some wrestling highlights. Yeah, <laughs> same. Like, I'm, I, I have a similar background to you in that I don't think I grew up... Actually, I don't have a similar background to you in wrestling because I remember when I was a kid, my brother was really into it, but I can't say that I was super about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe I just wasn't really drawn to that type of pageantry but as i got older um like i definitely in high school that whole attitude era and everybody was talking about it in school so um and in addition to that that was when they started putting smackdown on like regular tv so so like prior to that everybody was talking to about it but it was only on cable so i really didn't have the uh access the access or the point of reference, you know? So like the rock as a character and stone cold, Steve Austin, like all the stuff, all the, all their antics, that was all just stuff that I had learned secondhand. And, uh, yeah. And when they finally put it on, uh, basic television on, uh, 44 here in San Francisco, I, I was definitely, I, I tuned in just, I'll be honest, just to have something to talk about with other people. Yeah. But but it did grow on me. It did grow on me and the the characters were were a big part of what sold me on it cuz again when you, when you put someone up there and he's just got great mic skills that just make you laugh. There's there's something great about that, you know? Yeah, man. It's it's totally entertaining. Yeah. And I I'd say even for myself, um I my wrestling background wasn't really uh, I mean, my, my wrestling background was kind of similar to yours also because I, I didn't have cable growing up, so I wasn't able to watch all of the shows. It was more about absorbing it secondhand from my friends who did have cable and, and like to talk about wrestling and imitate the moves when we were on the playground and whatever. Sometimes I'd go to somebody's house and I would be able to watch some wrestling. Yeah, but the thing yeah. that – but before before SmackDown was on uh, network or syndic- what is it? Syndicated TV? I yeah. forget what, what you call it. It was on a I think it was on UPN or something. UPN, exactly. Uh, yeah. 44. 40, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In San Francisco, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. But um before before they had SmackDown on TV, uh the only time I would be able to get my wrestling fix was going to my, my friend's house if it happened to be on. But the thing that kept it alive in my heart was 
wrestling video games because oh nice yeah like on <laughs> SNES nice. man th- there was this game called uh, Royal Rumble and dude we played that game so much and that yeah. that was how I got really into wrestling um like the there were uh, certain wrestlers that I, for some reason, man, I think just because of that game, I had an affinity for them. Even to this day, they're they're probably yeah. still like my favorite wrestlers, like uh, Bret Hart. Okay, and nice. I, I had I had love for Yokozuna, man. Nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, he's a he was a giant sumo wrestler uh, themed wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember. Like, the main thing I remember about him was he had, like, this huge rivalry with The Undertaker. And that that was probably the biggest story that I could think of. And it was one of those things where The Undertaker was kind of haunting him in life. <laughs> and uh, his whole, his whole uh, mission was to bury Yokozuna alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's so a they pretty funny mission. Yeah, so eventually, like, of course, they would have, like, their final confrontation in which they would have a match and the undertaker buried him alive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was going to say the other thing that uh, this comic reminded me of as I was reading it, the the vibe that I was getting from it was it reminded me of a Saturday morning cartoon that used to be around called uh, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. Man, I don't remember that one. Okay. So, yeah, this was a. It was a. It used to be. It aired on June twenty seventh, nineteen eighty seven. Uh, it only had twenty six episodes, and like I, for the life of me, I can't tell you what that show was about. Uh, <laughs> like all I can remember. You know exactly when it aired, but you don't know what it was about. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I don't even have the point of reference where like I can look at GI Joe, and I can tell you generally what they're about. I don't even know what these guys what the point of this show was uh, at all i mean okay uh, you could argue that the point of it was to showcase all the wrestlers because they were voiced by the actual wrestlers i think i know hulk hogan was actually one of the voices on it and um all i can remember is it featured a lot of different wrestlers and it was just about a bunch of hijinks that just went on you know and of course every situation was solved with wrestling so and that was something where reading this comic, it channeled into my subconscious to the few times I saw a couple of episodes of that show when I was a kid. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even even back then wrestling would it was creeping in on pop culture, so yeah. as a kid you just kinda got exposed to it somehow. Yeah. You at least knew who the famous wrestlers were. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, definitely now more than ever, like, there's more transition from wrestling to, like, other pop culture, because so many of them are moving, or it feels like they're just using wrestling as a springboard to, you know, more popular culture, right? So, like, The Rock is definitely probably the best example. Yeah. Uh, but John Cena is coming over. Uh, you know, he, you can't he def- see me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just envisioned John Cena's face with that voice. <laughs> that was discombobulating. <laughs> I was disoriented sucks. by that. that sucks. 
<laughs> I was disoriented by that, man. That was the point of that. Which is I weird, because I'm oriental. Disorient you. you disoriented an oriental. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was trying not to say. <laughs> that's why that's why I kind of stuttered while I was saying that because if I said disorient, it made me think of the word oriental. <laughs> um, speaking of like not politically correct, I will say that one of the things about this comic that jumped out at me, and and I'm not was okay. I'll finish my thought, but the things that jumped out at me was the fact that a lot of these wrestlers, a lot of the, uh, what's it called? Themes or, or like the gimmicks that they used were pretty true to real wrestling in the sense that they weren't necessarily politically correct. And a lot of real wrestling, especially from a specific era, definitely was not politically correct. You know? Yeah. I don't think it was mean. I, I certainly don't think that the comic is mean about it, but it's true to that spirit, uh, to that aspect of uh, wrestling as a whole. So that was something that I I I, I noticed, uh, you know, in, uh, in terms of their attention to that detail. So it was true yeah. to true to to reality in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I think. Like I said earlier, I think anyone who grew up as a wrestling fan, you'll find a lot to enjoy from this comic, uh, this miniseries. You, there's a lot of just references and, and things that you'll pick up on um, if you're a wrestling fan. Yeah. And there are, I, I don't want to make it all seem like it's all jokey either. There are things about the story that, you know, that compelled me to care about the characters uh i mentioned earlier that uh rory landon lendell is this guy who you know he's kind of a washed up wrestler and uh he he's made a lot of mistakes uh just because that's just kind of the business you know the business chews you up and spits you out but he certainly mm -hmm. has made his fair share of contributions to to how he ended up the way he did. Um, and there, there are scenes that are interesting in the comic. So, so he has, I mentioned earlier that he has this lady that he was in a relationship with by the name of Linda. And there's one point in the comic where, you know, they're, they're all on the run and they're trying to get to, uh, the American wrestling federation, uh, like to the venue where they mm -hmm. can wrestle uh manifest destiny mm -hmm. and so the the whole comic is just this chase where they're trying to get to uh the venue to wrestle manifest destiny for you know the fate of the world but there are f other forces uh that are trying to stop them from getting there uh drazen is one of them one of the forces uh, who's trying to stop them from making it to the ring. But anyways, so while they're on the run, uh, Rory and, you know, his ex-girlfriend Linda have a moment with each other where, you know, she's she's obviously mad that when he left the, the wrestling federation, 
he didn't take her with him and he just kind of leaves in in a hurry and and obviously like things are fraught between the two of them but in this moment where they're finally alone together for for whatever brief moment in time rory just basically tells her that you know they took my belt away from me like i i didn't have anything and i like all i could do in that moment was just quit on the spot you know and go out in this big uh flashy scene just so that i could go out on my terms and like and he basically says i couldn't face you after that i just felt like such a failure you know Mm -hmm. and that was something that again just uh just resonates because it's about failure yeah yeah (laughs) i mean simple as that exactly it's it's not limited so like there there are other beats to this comic that uh aren't limited to just the nostalgia or the comedy factor of it um another scene that i did enjoy was so you know uh rory is on his hero's journey and one of the one of the training moments of training is uh, that he has to go through is uh, his 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 manager slash mentor is is a gentleman by the name of Don Fong Wong, <laughs> <laughs> and he's taking him to 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 essentially meet this other wrestler so that he can activate his subconscious so that he will be in prime condition to wrestle Manifest Destiny. And um, he goes to this. I, I want to say that his the wrestler's name was War, not Warpath. It was War something. I forget what it was. I can't but, remember. Yeah, but he goes to him, and the guy doses him with some peyote, uh, and he goes on like this spiritual journey of like not self. Well, I guess self discovery is the word. Yeah. The in in order for him to clear his emotional baggage so that he can be prepared to wrestle with manifest destiny. And I thought that was a pretty interesting, uh, interesting looking, um, series of panels, you know, it's, it had a lot of cool colors. It was, uh, it's kind of what you would expect it to be just a lot of crazy, imagery and uh it was just i just thought it was neat to look at (laughs) yeah the i do like the artwork in this comic uh even though there are a few different artists um i'd say in particular the first three issues with dan shkade those i like the art in that it it really does remind me of someone like dean hashbiel yeah It's, it's it's this really kinetic uh energized uh cartoony kind of style with, yeah. and and the way that the way that it's colored it everything just pops with life and that's exactly yeah. how it, as a wrestling story uh of this tone should feel you know it, it it's it just kind of entices you into the spectacle and the action and the adventure of it all yeah totally like uh i, I like that you mentioned that it's cartoony because that is one of the draws of it uh for me uh, while I was reading it was just how um, animated it all felt, you know? Yeah. 
I, I, I appreciated that as well. Uh, yeah. Did you, did you have any other thoughts on it? Not too much. Uh, I mean, I, I think I'd probably just end up repeating myself, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I'd say, uh, this is uh, just an entertaining action comic that is really catered to wrestling fans. But I think even if you're not really a wrestling fan or you only have like a, a passing understanding of wrestling, I think it's still fun. Uh, yeah. But if you are a wrestling fan and if you appreciate wrestling on any level, um, I, I think this will be right up your alley. Because the other thing I was – oh, I just thought about another thought I had uh, that I uh, – didn't uh, share earlier because we were talking about something else but uh, i was gonna say that wrestling in general actually does have a lot of crossover appeal with superhero comics oh totally totally yeah like just the whole way they dress (laughs) yeah like the way they dress they're they're basically uh you know real life or superheroes or cosplayers or whatever you know like wrestlers their gimmicks that's a, that's totally a superhero comic book kind of thing too. Everybody's got some kind of gimmick. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the the whole soap opera element of of wrestling. That's very similar to the soap opera aspect of superhero comics. Yeah. You just have these uh you know these really long running narratives that that aren't really designed to ever end. So. Yeah. You're, you know, you're always constantly having characters or, or wrestlers starting off as heels and then becoming, uh, you know, the, they become good guys and then they, they become heels again. So it's like yeah. very similar to uh, superhero comics where that kind of thing happens all the time. It's yeah, there's there's a lot of like just turnover in the drama, right? Like you take these existing characters and once you've taking them to their limit what else can you do you turn them heel right yeah exactly <laughs> and and it's it's always great in superhero comics when they do the when they do promos man when they give their speeches before they uh, engage in fisticuffs yeah what's it called uh the uh oh, i forget what the what the term for that is but were they uh yeah just when they, whenever they give those speeches or whenever they pull, you know, pull off like a great zinger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're totally right. It, there's so much connective tissue between those two things, you know. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, the I was gonna mention that. Uh, I did appreciate uh Dan Schglade's art too, but the the scene that I mentioned earlier where. Uh, Rory was tripping on peyote. That was drawn by Kendall Good, and I do think that was interesting to look at. That was like an interesting series of uh, of panels, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, like I, it'll be interesting to see if uh, um, you know if Ed Kuno or Matt Enton or any of the various artists from this team will move on to do more comics and more stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, 
what else they might be putting out. Yeah, I guess uh, we've got to check their website. Suspicious yeah. Behavior Productions, see what else they put out. Yep, yep. Do you uh, have any recommendations for comics that are in the vein of the two things that we read tonight or today? Yeah, so for a, a recommendation for people who enjoyed Parallel, here's a story uh, that's also that also deals with Parallel Lives. And I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode in the past, but it's Infinite Vacation by Nick Spencer and Christian Ward. This was a, an image miniseries from several years. It might even be like 10 years ago now, but it it was one of Nick Spencer and Christian Ward's uh, earlier works, if not like maybe their first mainstream work. Uh, but Infinite Vacation was something I also like as a romance story, but it, a big uh, aspect of that comic is a parallel uh, world situation where the whole concept of it is they they live in a in a society where there's a thing there's an app on your phone that lets you take a temporary vacation in an alternate reality where you basically just swap lives with your alternate with one of your alternate versions you know <laughs> and it, it's the multiverse so there's like an endless string of possibilities of types of uh vacations that you can have yeah so that sounds really cool yeah it, it's a I really cool totally do that. creative concept <laughs> yeah it is man um so so that that's how this that's the basic premise of the story and it, it definitely there's definitely a lot of twists and turns uh taken off from there but i, I won't I won't get into that because um, it's it's worth reading and discovering on your own. Mm. One recommendation for those who enjoy wrestling comics is Ringside by Joe Keatinge and Nick Barber. This is another image series from several years ago. I think this one might have been only around five or six years ago. It's very different from Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia in terms of tone. You can still tell that the creators of Ringside have a lot of love for wrestling, but whereas WrestleTopia kind of celebrates the spectacle and the outrageousness and the sheer fun of wrestling, I would have to say Ringside probably takes a hard look at the dark side of wrestling, specifically what we were talking about earlier about how wrestling just chews up the wrestlers. So ringside is about uh, an old dude who was a wrestler and now he's like, you know, pretty hard up on times. And it's also a kind of a crime comic that deals with what he does to get by now that his wrestling career is over. So definitely a different approach, not as lighthearted as WrestleTopia, but uh, if you're into wrestling and if you're into comics, it's another uh, great read that combines both of those things. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. Um, I got a couple of recommendations as well. What you got? Uh, I couldn't I can't really think of anything uh that would be similar to parallel um like 
oddly enough, the first things that I thought of when I was reading the comic I mentioned earlier were were actually movies. So right, uh, right. I mean, you I guess have, if you, uh, Vanilla Sky and and what was the other one? Uh, Stranger Than Fiction. That's right. Um, so. I mean, I guess I, I would recommend those. Um, you know, so if you got if you're in the mood for a similar kind of story uh, to that, I I, I don't want to give away too much and or take away too much time from comics because that's what this podcast is about. But um, Stranger Than Fiction is about a pencil pusher who works for the IRS, who one day out of nowhere starts to hear a, a voice narrate his life and um the narration ends when it says that uh little did he know that it would lead to his death and <laughs> and when he overhears this voice that's narrating his life when he hears the voice say that it leads him down this path where he wants to try to avoid his death but at the same time while trying to take all these actions to avoid his death, he reevaluates his life and he realizes that he really hasn't been doing much with his life to make it a life worth living. You know, <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty fun film. Will Ferrell is in it and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal is in it. So what year was this from? I don't remember the specific year, but it's a uh, it's it's up there. It's one of my favorites. Um, nice, man. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to check that out sometime. Yeah, and uh, Vanilla Sky is about... Uh, well, this one might not be quite as beloved. In fact, I, I, I think there are a lot of people who actually hate this film. But, really? Um, why? Yeah, why they why they got to be haters, Albert? Uh, I think a lot of people look at Vanilla Sky and think of it as uh, pretentious garbage, but... <laughs> Uh, but I have appreciation for it. I, I, I forget who the director was. He's the same director that did, uh, Jerry Maguire, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's another like science fiction story where, um, the main character experiences, uh, this futuristic science fiction, fantastical science fiction element, but, mm -hmm. Really, it's the the science fiction element of it really isn't a big part of. It, it's not really the point of it. It's not the focal point of the story. the The focal, it's really just this device. To, it's it's a device used to evaluate the lifestyle that the main character was living. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a device for self reflection. Uh, so I I do think it's a good movie. Uh, I. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away about it, but it's it's uh yeah, if you're into that sort of science fiction then then I would go with that. It stars Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz. Um Russell Crowe, uh, not Russell Crowe. Uh Russell Kurt Russell is in it too. So, there's that. Uh back to the topic of comics though, uh for Invasion of Russell uh, from Russelltopia in terms of things that are similar I would recommend uh, Rock Candy Mountain, which is by Kyle Starks. Okay, okay. <clears throat> and I think in terms of their voice, they uh, they have similar voices. Uh, like 
yeah, between Kyle Starks and uh, the creative people behind Invasion from Russeltopia. Uh, I, I, I think it's a similar kind of story as well in that it's a pretty fast-paced action slash comedy story with elements of drama to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I believe, Kyle Starks drew it too. Um, so the other, and that's another comparison point of comparison, which is, it's it's also got this sort of stripped down cartoony style. So I do, yeah, I, I think uh, if you enjoy invasion from WrestleTopia's art style. Well, I, I'm not going to say that you, you'll you necessarily enjoy uh, Rock Candy Mountain's uh, art style, but I, yeah, I will say that I personally did enjoy it. <clears throat> um, yeah, it sounds like, aesthetically speaking, it's not too far away from It's not too far. I, I, yeah, it's not too far, but I do think it's... it's I... It's not something where the art is where the focal point of the art is the detail. <laughs> let let right. me just put it that way. But right. stylistically, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, it's a story, and the other thing that I appreciate about uh, Rock Candy Mountain is that it's a story that builds a lore around a a class of people that I don't really know much if if anything about. Mm-hmm. So it's. I think it's a story that takes place in during the Dust Bowl era, and that's when we see uh, a lot of hobos. Who, <laughs> it's it's when we see a lot of hobos going cross country across America because you know people are just looking for work because the land has been decimated by environmental catastrophe, and it's it it's a story that builds around uh, hobo lore and. It's it's interesting because it talks about the different kinds of hobos that exist and hobo you know eating etiquette and hobo legends and stuff like that right yeah and yeah it focuses on one particular hobo who <laughs> uh, okay so this is gonna be kind of funny to you Drew but this one hobo he loses his family and as a result he makes a deal with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> so he makes a deal with the devil and um as a result now he crosses the country in search of a means to reunite with his family while the devil is chasing him across america (laughs) (laughs) that's funny man it's also funny how it's uh it sounds like it it basically romanticizes the era of the hobo (laughs) it it actually does Uh, like i it's interest. It was interesting because at the end of the issues, you would get little snippets and blurbs about hobos and hobo life, and I don't know if they were based on real things, but it was interesting to read those uh, little extra pieces, you know. Yeah, and it totally. it definitely romanticizes just I don't know hobo tree hoboism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um. Yeah, I, well, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I guess there is something about the wandering vagabond that I do find romantic. So maybe that's me. Yeah, kind of like a ronin, a masculine yeah, samurai. Exactly. But a hobo. But a hobo, exactly. 
Um, yeah. That, that other... could be... They, should, they could make that a parallel life for Usagi Yojimbo. Miyamoto Usagi, man. He could be a, in another a life. Hobo. Instead of being a samurai, he could be a hobo. <laughs> Oddly enough, um, one of the uh, deals, or one of the stipulations of the deals that the main character makes with the devil, uh, one of the stipulations is that he is incapable of losing a fight to another man. So, uh, over the course of his adventures, he 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 learns a hobo version of kung fu <laughs> that he uses to win all his fights. <laughs> Homeless fu. Homeless hobo fu. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second comic that I wanted to recommend for. And this one is more directly related to uh, wrestling, but uh, the life and t- I think it was called the Life and Times of Andre the Giant. Oh yeah, by Box Brown. Yeah, that was a yeah. really good bio comic. It's an excellent bio comic about one of the most famous uh, wrestling life and legend. Legends. That's what it was called. The life Andre and the, Andre the Giant Life and Legend. Right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Like I. I uh, deeply regret getting the name wrong because this is something, uh, if you're fans of wrestling, you should definitely check it out. You know, it's just, yeah. it's a good telling of this wrestling legend's life. Yeah, it's a, a biographical comic and the dude did his research, man. So, yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, there we go. All right. That was a fun episode. It's cool yeah. To, to yeah, it's cool to bring attention to some lesser known comics and creators. Uh, yeah, creators and we're thankful that people decided to reach out to us and uh, ask us to look at their work. I I apologize that it took us so long. <laughs> <laughs> we are very slow here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took us about three years to finish a list of top twenty five Marvel. Yeah. So <laughs> So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> We, we um, move at a glacial pace. <laughs> it's quality, not quantity. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, if anyone has any uh, questions about the comics that we we discussed today, or if uh, there are any comics you want to recommend to us, you know, feel free to email us or at between the gutters at gmail.com. Oh, uh, wait. The gutters podcast. Podcast at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Or DM us on our Instagram. Uh, you know, so we'd love to hear from you guys. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Between the Gutters. Signing off. Betweening out. Guttering out. Guttering out. (laughs) Peace, everybody.